If you want to change somebody's mind, you need to change their mood first. Welcome to Redefining Reality, where we live at the intersection of wellness, business, and the birth of a global tribe. So relax your body-mind, open your heart, and recognize that we are the ones we've been waiting for. Welcome back, my friends, to this week's edition of Redefining Reality. I hope you're doing well. I trust you're doing well. We got a good show for you today. My guest today is Mr. Gabriel Karakesh, and we get into all things mind, hypnosis, communication, so much more. But before we get into that, I got a few things to tell you about. Number one being our sponsors for the show, or affiliates rather, and that is Amazon and Audible, right? So if you want to support the show but don't feel like doing a donation, then pop over to our website and click on the Amazon link. Click on the Audible link and uh, a small proportion, a small percentage I can speak, will go to the podcast if you use either the 30-day free audiobook trial or if you use the uh, affiliate link for Amazon. So hit those up and um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll benefit. We'll benefit. Um, and if you do want to just drop a donation to the podcast, there's a PayPal link. And if you go to brianhardy.ca forward slash podcast, you can see down at the bottom of the page there a little donate button. And you can send whatever you like to me through PayPal. All of it is much appreciated and not required, right? Your listenership and your sharing is what I'm really after. And getting these messages out and empowering folks to live their best lives. That's what I'm really after. So anything else is a bonus, but uh, I'll just leave it like that. The show notes for today's episode, and mind you, today's episode I'm going to break up into two parts. It went almost two hours. First we thought we had to stop, then we realized we had another hour, so we went quite a while. Um, but I'm going to chunk it down and release it in separate parts, so be on the lookout for that next part. And um, the, the show notes are all available at brianhardy.ca forward slash hypnosis. And now for my guests. Gabriel Karakesh is one of the most skilled and active trainers in the field of conversational hypnosis. He is a trainer of conversational hypnotherapy and maintains the standards of the International Association of Professional Conversational Hypnotists, or IAPCH for short. Gabriel became a very serious student of conversational hypnosis, hypnotherapy, Ericksonian hypnotherapy, in social dynamics by attending extensive seminars and trainings across the globe and then joining an exclusive rank of trainers at the Hypnosis Training Academy. He has done work in over 15 countries and has students and clientele all across the globe 
and is helping to pioneer a 2.5 year hypnotherapy university program, which went live in January 2016. He's a fantastic person. He's got a lot to share. He's got a fantastic story. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Mr. Gabriel Karakash. I am sitting with my good friend Gabriel. How do you say your last name? Karakash. Karakash. Yeah, kind of like Carrie Cash or Karakash, like Marrakesh, except okay. Karakash. Yeah. Okay. But we're here, and um, Gabe is a very interesting individual, someone with a lot of gifts that I have been on the receiving end as of late. We, uh, we spent a week in South Florida with a group of guys doing the Spartan race, hanging out with our Universal Brotherhood brethren, and um, yeah, it's been great getting to know you more and sp- spend more time, and uh, now we get even more of that. Yes, indeed. So I'm excited to have you here. I'm grateful to have been fed and brought into this lovely new home, and um, I want to jump into it, right? So, and I'll do a little intro before this, so we don't have to worry about, you know, bio and all that stuff. You can send me that ahead of time, and da-da-da. We'll bang it out, but um, how and why do you find yourself, or did you find yourself, like, interested in hypnosis, NLP, uh, allowing people to find and embrace and express their awesomeness? Uh, those are a lot of very different questions. Yeah. Uh, so pick, so, pick whichever you feel and yeah, just run uh, with it. I'll start. I'll start with the, the with the with the story. Um, I started my I guess my my adult life um, pretty early at sixteen. I, I left school, become a musician. I, I, I uh, moved down to New Orleans and was playing music on the street as a busker and and, and learning. Uh, learning the, the traditional style of, of New Orleans jazz. Um, and I was living in an artist bunkhouse, which uh, was called Camp Katrina. It was a, it was a place that was originally intended for... Um, it was originally intended for artists who survived the, 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 the flood uh, of, of 2000... Seven, two thousand five, two thousand six, something like that. I can't remember. But Hurricane Katrina basically wiped out the majority of uh, um, everywhere except for the the the, uh, the the commercial districts of New Orleans uh, for many reasons, and a lot of a lot of people were displaced. And, and an old uh, an old woman named Ms. Pearl, who uh, I, I actually met her. When I went down with my high school band at sixteen, and uh, we, we we were touring the southern states, and we went we stopped over to record in her neighborhood, um, in I think I think two thousand seven or so, and. So did you just stay? Were you on a school trip? I would have stayed. I would have. Or you came back and then went again. They would have called state troopers on my ass. It yeah. would have been a nightmare. The, the, the like the, the kids wouldn't have been able to leave. I would have just been you know everyone mm-hmm. would have just hated me and being hated, especially in high school, is not something I was into. So um, I ended up going home. But when we were we were outside waiting for the studio to open in, in a little bit of a parquet. Um, and this woman bikes by and she's, you know, kind of got one of those cruiser bikes. Um, and she's, you know, got wrinkles as deep as the Grand Canyon. 
and you know one hand is holding the handlebar the other hand is holding one of those um, energy alcoholic beverages in a, in a tall can um, and she's wearing a fluffy pink hat and a tutu and her cruiser bike's got you know these cool tassels down the side and you know she, she started asking well what y'all doing now do y'all there's so many kids and so we explained to her what she was up to, and she she told us that you know she had a uh, a bunkhouse that we could we should all come and 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 live with her at. Of course, we're like a hundred kids in a park, right? So we we thought she was nuts. Everybody but me. I was like, really? You've got a place that we, like people stay? And they're like, yes, Camp Katrina down the street. Come on down, I'll show you something. Um, and so I, I you know I I wanted to almost right away, but we had to go record, and and it wasn't until I had actually. Um, come home and almost forgotten about my dream for about a year to, to stay in New Orleans and live there um, that I ended up going down to New Orleans uh, again and I, 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 I arranged to stay at her place and um, it was definitely less than romantic when I got there. It was um, A lot of homeless people, <laughs> let's say. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of homeless people, a lot of people who really just didn't have any other place, a lot of misfits. Um, and Ms. Pearl, as you can imagine, was not exactly the most sane or sober person. Uh, but while I was there, uh, somebody, uh, a, a couple guys came in a, in a sort of big uh, uh, camper van, RV type thing. And they were magicians, and they were doing a documentary, I think, about busking around the, the U.S. And one of them happened to also be a hypnotist, a stage hypnotist. Um, and for those of you listening, a, a, a state, there, there's, there's a few different kinds of hypnotists out there. Uh, we've got street hypnotists that go and, and uh, go out on the street and make you do cool things, uh, like freeze in place and, and be a statue uh, and forget your names and, and that sort of thing. And then there's stage hypnotists who um, who do similar things except on a stage and there's a there's a whole production involved often and there's music and uh, it becomes quite a quite a show and then there is of course the uh, the change worker the hypnotherapist whose job is to use actually the the exact same principles that are used on the street and on the stage to uh, to to uh, just in a, in a very different way to allow you to get access to different kinds of uh, different kinds of states that are perhaps more resourceful than the ones you're currently in, but more about that later, I'm sure. Um, and then there's another kind of hypnotist that's um, actually the most dangerous hypnotist, uh, which is the hypnotist that doesn't know they're a hypnotist. The people that say and do things that have deeper impacts than they actually realize. But also more about that a little bit later. I feel I'm like sure. that's everyone. That's like people at large. It's like humanity, right? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. It is. It's. It's. It, every single person has the uh, ability, and in fact, the innate, the the innate skill set. In fact, the innate components of hypnosis hardwired into us. It's a communication process that we do. Uh, as 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 hypnotists, and it's a thing that we didn't invent. It's a thing that we discovered that people do. Um, and so these th th these are actually the most natural hypnotists, or the people that are not studying hypnosis. 
people that are not using uh, special techniques because those are kind of artificial. They're derived from watching what other people who are uh, naturally capable of, of these things are doing. Um, by the way, everyone is naturally capable, but of course you've met the person that is naturally more influential or uh, naturally more persuasive or naturally more charismatic. Um, and some of those people are very kind-hearted people and some of those people are very ill-hearted people. Uh, this gentleman that I met, however, was, uh, he was just a, he was a stage hypnotist. I asked him to show me a couple things because I, you know, I was 18, 17, 18 years old. And uh, so I asked him and he's like, oh man, I would love to, but I got to go somewhere. I have a, a thing to do it's too long ago for me to remember. I'll be back later and I'll show you that. I was like, great. So, um, I, you know, and so I asked him again later and he's like, oh dude, I'm super tired. I'll show you tomorrow. And then the next day, oh, I got to go somewhere. I'll show you later. And so every time I asked him, he had somewhere more important to be. Uh, and I, you know, I, I just wanted to know if it was a real thing. I just wanted to know, like, super cool hypnosis. Wait, that's a, like, you know, it's Hollywood. That's, that's what people do in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. uh, on, the t on, on TV. Um, and every time I asked, I just got more and more frustrated. And then he left, and then I left. I came back home, and, and I, I, the burning curiosity was, was left with me. So um, I, looked, I looked some things up online, and I discovered that, in fact, there was a lot of incredible applications for hypnosis. One being uh, the conversational hypnosis, which is what my specialty is in, um, which revolves around uh, taking what everyday people do who are, you know, uh, it, it's sort of a combination between what everyday people are doing in, in their everyday conversation to be persuasive and influential and charismatic and charming and all of these things, um, uh, being good storytellers, uh, getting, you know, uh, uh, get building, uh, relationships, um, uh, setting boundaries, uh, being a leader, all of these, all of these types of things that happen in everyday life, and also combining it with now these some of these more uh, fundamental techniques of hypnosis that have been developed over the years. So, I ended up uh, I ended up studying conversational hypnosis. I discovered a guy named Igor Letohovsky. Um, try saying that name ten times fast. Try saying the. International Association of Professional Conversational Hypnotists, 10 times fast, uh, which after uh, taking a 12-CD 12, 12 program I downloaded, um, I, 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 got a, I, got a, I, I practiced this 12-CD program, um, and I went from being kind of shy and awkward not really having very many friends. I was the chubby kid that nobody liked, and all of a sudden I was... Uh, my, my social life had transformed. I knew how to tell engaging stories. I knew how to um, say things in a way that people better understood, right? I would, whereas before I would say something and, 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 and um, you know, I would want to be, uh, I'd want to be heard or accepted or understood in some way. When I studied conversational hypnosis, it was, it, it became easy to build connections, to build relationships, um, to become more influential, not just by giving direct suggestions like, 
you will do what I tell you, or you will buy my services. But by, by you know, telling, telling stories or listening more for what people value, what, what, what motivates people, and, and, and equating what I have um, to offer either as, either as a professional or just as a, as a friend or um, just, as, um, uh, just as a shoulder to cry on, whatever the case may be, and, and eventually as a transformational specialist, um, to be able to work with what, 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 who people already are. And conversational hypnosis is is really this. It's a it's a it's a it's a way to understand how people work and who people are on an individual basis, as well as the the, the general tendencies of the human race for communication. Mm-hmm. You know things like um, you know the law of association, which is a, 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 a multifaceted thing, but in essence, you take two things, even if they're seemingly unrelated, and if they both happen at the same time, they become the same thing. So, um, but also at the same time, association can also mean that as I'm, as I'm you know, it, 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 in order to learn something, you need to have an experience or uh, to associate the thing that you're learning to um, to something that that has come that, that to something that you already know. In order to learn something new, you got to connect it to something you already know. Mm-hmm. And even by learning through experience, you learn because you're having an experience. The experience is something that you know. And if you have a new experience, you can connect that new experience to something that you already know. Or take the law of reverse effect, right? You ever walk down the stairs and uh, hopefully you have never done this, but you ever walk down the stairs and really, really try to control every movement with your mind and like be fully aware of what you're doing when you discover that it's really hard to go down the stairs all of a sudden? Mm. Or you ever really try to, I don't know, influence somebody in some way. Let's say, um, you know, you really like a person romantically you really really want to date them and so you try to approach them and you so want it so badly that when you open your mouth you've forgotten the english language this is called the law of reverse effect when you try hard to do something that you're unconsciously good at but you're trying to do it consciously and the more consciously you try to do something that's meant to be unconscious the worse you do it the worse you do it Mm. So there's, you know, for the time we have, there's just count, there, 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 there's far too many of these kinds of universal principles, we would call them, that, that make up the human condition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also important to look at an individual, right? It's important mm-hmm. to, to talk to a person as though they're a person and not, not just a machine. Understanding that there are mechanics in the background that are, that, that are working, that are functioning on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Even to the extent that a person themselves is mostly, uh, it, it, a person themselves is, is mostly on, on autopilot. Right? Most of the things that we do are habitual. Mm-hmm. Most of the thoughts we think, our heart beating, our immune system, our, our entire autonomic nervous system, for that matter, um, our emotions, our beliefs, 
uh, our values, our morals, our ethics, uh, the decisions that we make all happen unconsciously. No, I think we make. The decisions we think we make, however you'd like to put it. That's, a, I think, a conversation for another day. Mm. Um, and so we have a, 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 a hypothetical thing that we call the mind, right? It's this ephemeral part of us that we can't point at. We don't know where it is, but somehow it's not quite our brains. Mm-hmm. But it's in some way a connection between who we are and our brains and our bodies. And our mind is sort of our conscious connection to our physical selves. Mm-hmm. Um, but even as I'm saying these things, they're not entirely true because we know that we have a brain, we know that we have a body. We talk about having a mind, but we don't even really know if there is one mm-hmm. because we can't, it's not a physical thing. It's not a, it's not a tangible you thing. You can't measure it. Right. We have the experience of mind, mm-hmm. mind states and mind you know, right. phenomena. Yeah. And you said a really important word there, which is state. Um, a state is uh, something that, uh, it, a state is an experience that includes emotions, thoughts, behaviors, and physiology, or biology, however you mm. want to say it, right? Uh, this is also known as the cognitive triangle. If you influence one of those things, you will influence all of the things. So, um, in, in what we would call traditional hypnosis, um, a, a trance would be a particular kind of state that you would put someone into where uh, their, their parasympathetic nervous system or their rest and digest, their open state uh, it, it becomes more active and their critical faculties, the part that says no, becomes diminished and subdued and perhaps even uh, completely, let's say, put to sleep. Offline. Yeah. Offline, yeah. right? Um, however, sleep has nothing to do with it. Um, I guess that would probably be another another conversation for another another time. Yeah, there's but, no shortage of rabbit holes. Yeah, that um, I tend to go down at various times. So these are some of the things that I that I that I discovered when I when I took this this first course. It was like mm-hmm. a twelve CD program. I devoured it in about uh, about a week. Um, and also the thing about hypnosis is that it's not something that you study. It's something that you do. Mm. In fact, some may say that it's not even something that you do. My, my, my teacher and mentor and now friend, Igor Letohovsky, um, he uh, would say that hypnosis is something that you become. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where was I? <laughs> yeah, so something that you become, right? So there's diff- these different states, there's the trance, there's, um, you know this cognitive triangle that you can influence yeah, right, to bring so, about different states or to get into, like sort of to get, I see it the way I understand it and you can correct me and, and you know, uh, iron out the details. It's sort of like a tool to get into the subconscious and maybe reprogram or bring up something that's been sort of buried. In a way, um, there, there are many perspectives about hypnosis as there are hypnotists. Um, so I try to I try to create 
um, as an educator and as a therapist now, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that, I try to create a, a sort of blanket, uh, I, I try to create a, a more of a blanket um, general understanding of what hypnosis is and how it works so that whatever, whatever um, specific field of hypnosis you want to go into, if you even want to go into hypnosis at all, um, it, whatever, whatever field of hypnosis you want to go or wh whoever you want to, uh, however you want to participate in a greater understanding of hypnosis, you can create your own sort of perspective in a way that works for whatever situation you're in, right? So for example, m we were talking about trance versus state. So a trance is a kind of state. And many people would say that hypnotic, tr you, you can do hypnosis without putting somebody into a trance. And oftentimes what they mean by that is that trance is just a state of openness. So you can do hypnosis without using trance, is what you're saying? You can do hypnosis, well, no, um, what I, go on. You can do hypnosis by eliciting particular states from people in order to get a particular kind of outcome. Mm. If you want to change somebody's mind, you need to change their mood first. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is angry at you, let's say, although you, Brian, I can't imagine anyone being angry at you. Although I've never lived with you, so I don't know. It has happened. It has <laughs> um, happened. So let's say somebody's angry at you, right? And you are, and 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 you are trying to, um, and and you're trying to ease the situation. If you do not change how they're feeling, no matter what you say, they will only experience anger, right? It's like standing in an angry room, right? Imagine your, your, your brain is full of rooms, which it isn't, but imagine that it is. Uh, imagine your brain is full of rooms, and each room represents a, a, a kind of emotion. Happiness, anger, joy, sadness, the whole, mm -hmm. the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. um, so imagine that, you, that this person is in the angry room. Every time you try and say something to ease the situation, as long as they're in the angry room, they're going to see it through the filter of anger. Mm -hmm. So, if you, um, in order, in order to, in order to have a, 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 the, a the desired impact of you know reducing their anger and maybe perhaps putting them into a state of calmness, right? You can't just, let's say, go, you are getting calm now. You are getting calm now. Right? You have to start from where they are. Yeah. Although right? I feel like that might work to make them laugh and shift them out of the Potentially. Anger. Potentially. I mean, if they see it as humorous. But if they're really angry, yeah. they're probably like, what, the, what, the, what are you doing? Quit yeah. That, quit that, that hypnotist bullshit. I'm so, angry. <laughs> um, so once I finish this... Once I finish this um, uh, this CD course, I started getting emails, mm -hmm. of course, because now I'm on the email list. Mm -hmm. uh, I started getting emails to attend a, a hypnotherapy certification, and I, I got, um, I, I was really excited because in the email copy it said, how would you like to transform people's lives virtually instantaneously? 
no matter where you are or what you're doing. Anywhere in the world, on the street, with a total stranger, or with a, with a close friend, or even to open up a, a, a business where you could get paid to change people's lives for the better. Mm. And be a force for good in the world. And so I didn't attend the first one. Um, at the time, I, you know, I was 18 years old, 19 years old. I didn't have money for that. So I attend, but I did attend the second one. And I realized, I, I realized very quickly that, um, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a very intense training. Uh, I realized I was very good at it. Um, probably because I'd spent so much time being shy and awkward and alone and I, I was trying things myself really trying to understand people and I had read a couple books about psychology um, you know I, I, I tried to find out you know why isn't anybody like me and so when I when I when I got to this training one of the first things we learned was how to induce trance so there's a couple there's a couple ways to do it right um, Either you can you can shock the system, essentially. So you might have seen somebody do that, you know, by like shaking somebody's hand, and all of a sudden they are going sleep, and then the the person's going down. Or you know, in a conversation, you might do something that is so out of the ordinary, like you know, say you are getting calm now, that um, that they might laugh because of how ridiculous the situation is. Right? Or how ridiculous the thing is that you said. Or how... Um... Well, I can see it as... Um, like when you're watching some sort of crazy like disaster video. Or like something intense. And you just can't look away. Right? You're in that trance. You're watching like a UFC fight. Right? You're just like, mm -hmm. entranced. Right. Because it's, it's, a, it's an emotional experience. Right? Um, where... Another expression that we use, and, and you might have heard this one before, is where attention goes, energy flows. Mm -hmm. So um, if you imagine um, a field, right, and you walk across the field, what happens to the grass? Crumple some of it down. Crumple some of it down. What happens if you walk back and forth a few times? Crumple more of it down. What happens if you take a whole, uh, what, what if you just have a line of people just continuously walking in a straight line? Make a path. You make a path, right? So similarly, our emotions are the same, right? Now, mm. what happens if one person along that path stops, but everyone keeps going? You get a backup. You get a backup, right? Or all of a sudden, that flow just jams and people start tumbling over each other. You get a, you get a backup, a pile up. Mm -hmm. um, Things get a little bit messy, right? So chaos. you would call that, yeah, chaos. Uh, you would call that maybe the, uh, an example of being a shock to the system, right? So you might be like, you are getting calm now. Um, but it, it, similarly, though, you know, if just one person stops, but everyone keeps going, it might just, they might, they might just topple him over and keep going, right? So in that same way, if you've ever watched television before and someone from the kitchen, uh, you know, says something to you, it might just be like a fly that, you know, is buzzing around your ear and you might just swat it away emotionally because you're so into whatever it is that's happening. Your brain doesn't like to change course very often. Mm. Salespeople talk about yes sets very often or yes ladders, 
right? Because when you get people saying yes more and more often, then their, their state becomes one of agreement. Mm -hmm. Or if you're in the UFC state, right, you might start getting into like boxer mode or Muay Thai mode. You might finish the, you might finish the game, but inside your mind, the game is still going on and you become the boxer yourself or you become the, the, the martial artist. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you continue that emotional state afterwards. This is why it's terrible, terrible, terrible to watch the news at night. Because the news doesn't stop when you turn off the television, right? You put yourself now in a state of, holy shit, the world is a bad place. And that will continue until either your attention moves to something else or it, or it gets, gets jammed. There's a, there's a strong enough pileup that all of a sudden those people need to go in an opposite or in the opposite direction, right? Or in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So, um, these are, these are, uh, these are ways that we learned about inductions in, in my, my first, this, this, actually, this was not the way we learned about inductions in my first training. Mm. Um, it, we, we learned about the principles of induction. Certainly we learned a little bit about, you know, uh, what we would call the shock induction or stopping somebody's, uh, current, uh, their, their current uh, flow of, of, of state, let's say, well, uh, let's, let's use some less jargony terms here. Their current, their current thought processes, right? And their expectations of how the world is supposed to be in that moment. Mm -hmm. right? Like you and I right now, we're sitting here at a table. We're not expecting necessarily an army of rhinos to throw a dance party in the living room, mm -hmm. right? But uh, if that were to happen our brains would be like, whoa, what's going on? Why is there an army of rhinos having a dance party in our living room right now? Mm. So, um, and in that <laughs> moment, the, 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 because of how unexpected it is, our conscious or critical, um, our critical filters or critical faculties pause and relegate the, 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 the decision-making process to the unconscious mind to say, mm. hey, what's going on here? And there's about, you know, a good second or so, maybe less, where um, it's sort of like a deer in the headlights moment. What should I do mm -hmm. is the question. And in that moment, the, we are looking for an answer. And we'll take one from, the instant, from our instincts, from our unconscious mind, or we'll take one from whatever else is going on in that moment in our surroundings, in our environment. So as we're looking around and like, oh my God, what's going on? And a rhino comes in here and is like, hey buddy, come dance with us. Then our state moves more in the direction of this is, you know, this is a buddy. Notice I've used language here, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, hey buddy, this person, this, this rhino, <laughs> this rhino is a buddy of mine, right? Um, and they're dancing. I've been invited. I'm feeling included. Everything is okay. Unless they're destroying things, in which case, hey, buddy, come dance with us, might not necessarily change the fact that, holy cow, there's a disaster happening in my living room, right? Mm -hmm. but, but, but by that point, right, um, our, you know, uh, we've already made some unconscious decisions about what's going on in our living room. Mm -hmm. If it's, hey, buddy, come dance with us, but we've already realized that there's crap happening there, right? Um, so they call that a pattern interrupt. It's called a pattern interrupt. Okay. Yes. So that's one way. That's one way to stop somebody in their tracks and to begin to alter their state. 
right? Mm. And then from, the, from, from there, once you've interrupted their patterns, up to you to, as quickly as possible, direct them into, into, into a different state, mm-hmm. right? Um, the other thing that you, that you can do is let's say you're, you're you, you, is you can, um, the other thing you can do is you can start with where they're at. This is what we would call pacing from pacing and leading, right? So you need to, um, let's say, let's say someone is angry at you, right? If you say to that person, or if you don't, if you, if you are, if you are, um, if you were standing against that person for whatever reason, uh, even if it's as simple as, I don't understand why you're mad at me, you should not be mad at me, this is your fault, right? You, are, uh, you have drawn a line in the sand and said, I do not accept your reality. And so you've, from, from that point, whatever language you're using doesn't matter. Whatever hypnosis you try to do does not matter. Because they have uh, in that in that relationship, you and them are on opposite sides. It's like a disconnect. It's a complete disconnect. This is where arguments usually go totally awry because two people are saying two different things, mm-hmm. as opposed to one person, at least one person, doing their best to, in one way or another, express their understanding and to say, "Hey, this is where you're at." I can see that you're angry, and I understand that what you're saying is X, Y, Z, and I can see how you saw that in me. I didn't mean for that to happen. I was intending this and this, but clearly I didn't, I, I, it clearly it came off as X, Y, Z, what you said. And I wanted this to happen. So let's, let's, let's figure this out. Let's work this out. And so... This is, like I said, this is called pacing, right? From there, let's work this out is the leading. I start by essentially being on your side. And then moving towards whatever outcome I want. Again, this barrier, this defense that prevents somebody from getting through is called a critical faculty or a critical factor, depending on what school you come from. Mm. So it's very important to, uh, to make sure that when, when, when you're talking to people, if you, want to, uh, if you want to have more of a conversational influence on them, that you begin to become more aware of what their, their internal position is. And so these are the two ways to, to essentially move somebody from one state to another. You can either stop them from proceeding in whatever state they're going in and very quickly change direction, or you can go with them along the path and then gently direct them in, an, in a different direction. But you start by going with them. Mm-hmm. Right, um, politicians do this all the time. They say it's it's. People say all the time, "Oh, the pol- politicians just say what you what 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 they 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 think we want to hear." Well, of course they do. First of all, because they're politicians, and their job is to, uh, hypothetically at least, 
do what the people want. So there should they should be saying what we want to hear. But even if they have policies that are to our benefit, if they are just talking about their their the, the technical details of their policy without actually using the language that they know we speak and the the the, the end result needs that we want met such as a better future for our children or uh, 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 you know a you know more security for our financial futures I don't know I'm just making this stuff up as I go along here mm -hmm. but these are general things that you could probably hear in a you know in a in your local in your local politicians public speech mm -hmm. so if they're good if they're if you're they're lo if they're a local politician it's very likely that they're not as good as they want to be yet or ever who knows um, but if they've made it to the national or international stage as a politician um, generally they understand this fact. If you need to get a message across, you need to use the language of the people who's, uh, uh, who, who you're trying to impact and understand their values and their morals, their ethics, and comply with those, at least at first, and hopefully continually if we're talking about morals and ethics. Mm -hmm. um, and this is how we move people, we, it, conversationally. We move people by starting with where they're at emotionally, linguistically, cognitively, behaviorally. These are the kinds of people that get along with one another as well. Mm. People who speak the same language. Yeah. People who have the same thoughts. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's powerful to see that. It's, it's such an innate thing, right? And it's how we communicate, it's how we learn, teach, inspire, create movements, find, you know, people that align with us is through these mechanisms, through these built-in, hardwired, ancient mechanisms. Hypnosis is as old as communication. You can even use general hypnotic principles to talk to a dog. Obviously not with your words, or maybe even with your words, right? But if you understand how a person communicates, you can apply your understanding of how they communicate to communicate with them. Because if you communicate in a way that's different from the way they communicate, you're not going to get through. It's like speaking a different language. Mm -hmm. Only we have more inherent languages that are more than just verbal. Yes. Some people would go so far as to say that verbal communication is only a small portion of all communication. How much of that is true? I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily relevant. What's more important is in the context that you're in, what kind of communication is necessary in order to get your message across? Whether it's your message as a as a you know as a leader or or a or a uh, or a friend or a lover or uh, a therapist, or a stage hypnotist, or a street hypnotist, uh, or a shaman, or a doctor. Doctors are incredible hypnotists. People, people trust doctors so much that if, if the doctor says you have six months to live, they'll die even if they didn't have to. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. The belief, when someone implants the belief that you're sick, or you're going to die, or this is going to happen, um, that the physiology, right, getting back to the whole triangle, the physiology will reflect that. 
And so you have people drop dead who maybe didn't actually have an underlying biological disease process, but the mind thought that death was imminent. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a reason why we say people die of broken hearts. There's a reason why that's a thing that happens to people. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why people, uh, the, you know, there's a reason why the elderly, um, you know, in, in, in couples who are who are elderly, who are you know one of the one of the, well, unfortunately this is this has happened to me uh, in my in my family I had a, something like a great uncle, um, I think he was my father's uncle actually but he was, uh, um, you know, our family was very close to him and, and he was a he was a great guy. Uh, we used to go up to the cottage every every summer to to his cottage, and he, uh, wonderful guy. Him and him and his wife, they've been together for who knows how long. Um, and when she passed away, it wasn't very long after her passing that he passed away. Um, I think he managed to live an additional year. And I mean, she was she was very. Um, she was a very strong person physically and, and biologically, you know, most things in her life she was very good at, but she refused to take medication. And, um, eventually she, she, she had a, she had a, she had a stroke and she, she passed away. Um, and he, you know, he was, he was just devastated by it. And, um, the last, the last we heard, the, the, the last, uh, correspondence he had with his son I believe was that he was just starting to feel uh, a little bit better and that his depression was kind of subsiding um, uh, granted you know he wasn't just sitting alone in his in his home he was a very active person himself and lived an extraordinary life you know just the other day uh, not recently but the other day before he passed away um, he had made plans to go to the opera, and he was planning his next trips uh, to New Zealand, I believe, or maybe to, to Europe, I can't remember. Um, and just, uh, you know, he, he was just, uh, he, he was always going about having, having an excellent quality of life, but internally he was, he was missing something. And so I guess, you know, he... Um, and I'm being, I mean, I'm being, being very vague just for the short, the, the sake of brevity yeah, and time. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that can apply to all of us. Right. right? We, per- we have perceptions that there's voids, right? There's voids in our life that we seek to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and our emotional states and our, you know, our feeling of success or accomplishment, I think, is often intimately linked with that, right? With the filling of these voids. It sort of becomes our life purpose. Um, and I've been exploring the work of Dr. Demartini recently, and that's his whole thing. He talks about values and how voids are birthed from, sorry, values are birthed from our voids, right? Um, and then that becomes sort of like our mission in life, like our, our, our overarching value typically comes from a void, or at least a perceived void. Like, so for myself, when I got very sick, right at the age of 18, um, pretty much ever since then, health has been my driving value, yeah. right? my purpose yeah. in life, yeah. my divine mission. Yeah, for me, for me, it was connection, communication, relationships, mm-hmm. right? Because um, I was, uh, 
was a lonely child, let's say. So for me, learning how to get along with people and, and to have real meaningful connections and relationships with people um, was, was important. And, and, I, and I realized uh, along that journey that, that, that many people were, were feeling equally as alone and, and feeling equally as broken. Uh, and when I, when I discovered how, um, how connected communication and, uh, and, and um, essentially mental illness really is to one another, they're, they're inextricably linked. Most, um, most, um, most mental illnesses are, are um, in one way or another communication related. Somebody did this to me or said that to me. Or, um, you know, let's take, let's take extreme examples like, um, you know, schizophrenia or post-traumatic stress, right? Uh, schizophrenia is you communicating with yourself mm. and not being able to tell the difference between you and the other you. Um, well, not necessarily the other you because now we're, we're getting more into dissociative identity disorder, which is yeah. um, having different yous to communicate different things. Or to cope with different part, uh, different different um, aspects of life, um, and, and you know, post traumatic stress, um, you know, is you know, uh, as uh, the the envi- you know, the environment that has or the as, you know outside forces communicating with us in such a such a way that you know we we can't we can't move on from it because it was just so harmful to us mm-hmm. um, in one way or another. Um, or phobias, right? That's us communicating with ourselves as well. Replaying a thing that we don't want to have over and over in our minds, right? People aren't, most people aren't, um, uh, most people, by the way, don't have phobias. Phobias are just an immediate, uh, an immediate reaction to something uh, awful, uh, or, or something, sorry, uh, is an awful immediate reaction to something uh, that relatively benign, mm-hmm. like stairs or people or, or dogs, Right. Uh, most people have um, uh, most people have when they think they have a phobia, they actually are afraid of the thoughts that they're thinking about that particular thing. So a person might see a dog, and uh, instead of having a panic attack, right, just in- instantly because of the dog, they will first see a, a video of the dog ripping their face off or something like that, and that will send them into a panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not the dog, it's the pain associated or the violence or the, you know, potential death. But all of these things are, 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 are um, psychological, they're, they're imaginary. We create videos inside our mind. This is how we talk to ourselves oftentimes. We usually mm-hmm. talk to ourselves with words, right? Like we hear, you know, we hear our mother's voice in the back of our head. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, or, or, you know, we're just, you know, we hear our own voices. You're no good for, you know, you're good for nothing or, or whatever the case may be. Um, some of us have positive voices or just neutral voices in our head, you know, like, oh, time to, time to get out of bed now, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or we, we, uh, or, or we, we hear things, right? We, we hear, um, like I have, um, I have music playing in my head all the time, all the time. It just comes from being a musician, and it's also partially how I learn. Um, you know, I can, um, 
I, I'm a very auditory learner, so I will often hear things inside my inside my head and try and work things out that way. Most people are visual. In fact, uh, even myself and and just about everyone, because we have because our eyes are the most um, the most dominant per sensory uh, sensory organ that we that we use to maneuver through the world. Um, we are. Um, uh, we are mostly visual thinkers as well. So, um, you know, we will, you know, when we plan things, for example, it's a lot easier to plan something by actually seeing yourself doing it. Or, you know, if we are trying to do math, right? Well, math is, math is a, a, a bit of an interesting one because actually um, it's not as intellectual as people think. Most of the greatest mathematicians of all time were um, uh, were much much more intuitive about their understanding of uh, either either uh, a concept or or or, a, or a, I'm not really a mathematician, so I don't really know the word for it, but like a, like a proof or something like that. And they were able to sort of instinctively and intuitively come to a conclusion that they then had to take years to prove. Mm -hmm. And often that came to them uh, visually as well. Einstein was is famous for having uh, had a dream of of um, of, uh, of of being on top of a, a beam of light and riding a beam of light. And um, there's a couple different stories. I'm not sure of the correct one. Some say that you know he was riding the beam of light, and you know he, he there was another beam of light next to him, and he dreamt that you know he 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 took a flashlight and he flashed, he turned his flashlight on at the other beam of light and the question of whether or not the beam of light hit that light or traveled behind it became the birth of E equals MC squared. Mm. I'm not entirely sure of the, how the story exactly works, but we, we know, um, you can look it up for yourself. Yeah. He had, a, he had some sort of dream. Yeah. Right, and it was a visual representation of a mathematical equation that took a very long time. So mm -hmm. we, we think that we, we, we talk to ourselves in, in many different ways, auditorily, visually, um, um, and, and, and kinesthetically. Right, we got feelings, we've got gut instincts about things. Right, um, and usually we, we think to ourselves in a combination of these things as well as smell and taste. We think with our senses. Uh, but the three ones are visual, auditory, and kinesthetic senses that we, that we normally use. So we talk to ourselves using these types of things. Mm -hmm. And we create internal experiences of what we think is right, or what we think is true, or what we think is real, based on those, based on those things. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or rather, by using our senses. Right? Um, our imagination happens in the same place as our experience and perception of reality inside of our brains. Mm. And, you know, in order to imagine something green and round, we need to use the same parts of our, our brains in order to uh, see something that's green and round. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, the, that's just the way our brains work and our perception works. So... Um, we, and so this is how we communicate with ourselves. This is how other people, this is how we begin to uh, perceive how other people communicate to us, right? If, 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 you know, somebody, if your mother, you know, says, you know, you have to have great marks or you'll never amount to anything. And your ability to learn, at least 
in the classroom environment that you're in, with the social setting that you're in, uh, maybe elsewhere or in other ways you may have had a better experience, but you could never get above 80%, you may believe for the rest of your life that you'll never amount to anything, and even if you have opportunities to be successful, you won't because you've taken on this belief that you'll never amount to anything. So you're, you unconsciously will develop behaviors and patterns that will facilitate that to be true. Mm -hmm. And completely ignore any opportunities for anything beyond that. Yeah. Right? Or you experience some terrible, terrible uh, a trauma, right? Um, you know, a simple one would be putting, you know, as a child, putting your hand on the pot and it's hot and it's, it's, you burn your hand and you freak out, right? A child may, uh, you know, may just learn their lesson and not touch the hot pot and they may, may be all right. Or a child may forever be afraid of cooking, mm -hmm. but for completely forget that it ever came from touching that hot pot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, I guess, where, you know, the whole concept of limiting beliefs, right? And how they're, they're buried in the subconscious. They're there. And I heard, um, you know, someone say that, you know, the mind tends to ha remember the one-sided experience of things, right? It remembers the really bad or the really good. Um, More often the, the really soul, bad than the really good. For survival purposes, right? That's why we got to sort of come to terms with this meat suit that's geared for survival, right? In the mind that's geared for survival. What an awful name for our bodies. <laughs> Hi, my suit. name is Gabriel. Uh, this is my meat suit. <laughs> nice to meet you. You can call it, you know, your superhero costume or your, you know, your earthbound divine vessel. Um, whatever so many works. words. Whatever works. <laughs> whatever works. I like that. Earthbound divine vessel. I like that. Um, but that, so the mind, right, has this one-sidedness. But the soul is always looking for integration. And right, so it's like, on a certain level, you know how we tend to attract the experiences to teach us the thing, right? Usually it's hard for us to actually get to the nugget, right? The golden nugget that's buried in the shit um, of the perceived negative experience. But it's there. If you believe that. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. There may not necessarily even be a gold nugget. Or maybe the shit really is all entirely made out of gold. Mm. And that we've just perceived it as otherwise. How many relationships has gone, have, have gone down the tube because somebody did, somebody did something out of love that was perceived as antagonistic? How many relationships have ended because, um, you know, the husband bought flowers but never cleaned the house and the wife decided uh, uh, didn't could only recognize helping to clean around the house as being appreciative, mm -hmm. and so she felt undervalued and underappreciated. And he is thinking to himself, "What the heck? I'm doing all the things right. I'm buying you flowers. I bought you a gift. I bought you a necklace, and you don't love me." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that gets into the love languages, right? Yeah. Love and languages. So learning how people feel loved, how we feel. Appreciated, how we like to give love, um, which again is a communicative process, right? Absolutely. And I found for myself and for anyone out there who you know is either with a partner or looking for a partner, um, you want to get clear on this as quickly as possible, I would say. Whether it's a business partner, a romantic partner, figure this shit out 
so that you can then reciprocate and appreciate in the way that that person wants to feel appreciated. And by the way, if, you, if, you're, if you're interested in the five love languages, uh, it's really easy. You can take the test online to find out how you like to give love and how you like to receive love. Um, you can just go right onto their website. I don't remember the guy's name, but there's a test you can do. Um, mm -hmm. you can, you, there's one for your children as well if you're having, if you're having uh, issues with your kids. It's pretty much the exact same test, only with different buttons, <laughs> with different labels. Okay. Um, as far as I could tell, at least. So, um, you know, go ahead and, and, and take that test if you haven't already. You'll learn something about um, yourself. You may learn something about your spouse. You may... Uh, who knows, if you're, in a, if you're in a tumultuous relationship right now, you may be able to save it with this. Um, and if not, then uh, there's, there, there, or if this doesn't seem to work, perhaps there are other things that, uh, uh, that are going on in your communication with one another uh, that are preventing you from, uh, that, are, that are preventing you from uh, it, having, having a meaningful and fulfilling relationship with the people that you love. Um, so, uh, but here's the good news. If 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 you are in a terrible, uh, terrible if you're in a terrible relationship, you should probably leave. But if you're if you're in a relationship that um, you would like to salvage, and seems to be going awry um, to whatever extent, just realize that if there are intense negative emotions happening in your relationship, it's better at least than indifference at all. Because if, if you're experiencing indifference in your relationship, you know it's over. If you are experiencing hatred, it's in fact still salvageable. Because love and hate are incredibly similar in that the level of intensity of emotions shows a level of caring. Which, by the way, is very interesting in, 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 in just the, the study of conflict in general. Which is, if you have conflict, clearly you care. Mm. If you didn't, you just walk away mm -hmm. and forget. So whenever you experience another person who's experiencing intense emotions, just realize that they could only have those intense emotions because they care about something, but they care. Um, especially feelings of anger. Uh, anger is usually, uh, anger is always, in fact, uh, having to do with uh, having, having broken some kind of boundary, whether perceived or real. So uh, if, you're, if, you're, if your significant other or your friend or somebody you care about is angry with you, uh, just realize that there has been a boundary that has been violated. And that may be your fault, uh, in which case it's important to inquire, uh, and it may be, you know, not your fault. You may not know anything about their boundary, about the boundary that you have uh, st uh, overstepped or broken um, or be pushing against, uh, in which case uh, it's also still a good idea to, uh, to find out more about that and to, and, to, and to ask, because oftentimes just asking about what's, you know, what's, asking about what's happening and just listening is a great way to diffuse, um, to diffuse anger, you know, um, Either way, it's important to rebuild boundaries, um, both your own and theirs, in order to, uh, to, to have a, 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 a fulfilling and meaningful relationship with somebody, or at least yeah. a peaceful one. Yeah, well, and I think also just like a healthy sense of self, right? Like knowing who you are, the individuation, or the individuated you, right? 
and sort of where you end and where others begin. And that's the great thing about love and intense relationships or intimacy is that we can like let those some of those down, right? Let people in, mm-hmm. right? The whole into me see way of looking at intimacy and um, into me see into intimacy. Me see. That's a good one. Yeah, into me see. See, you're into me. <laughs> yeah, and so these are all great tools, great, to, great, great practices, just things to be aware, of, right? To enhance, because I feel like you know, because relationships are so fundamental. Like we're a we're a social species, we're a social animal. We need relationships. We thrive on relationships. You know, how you're talking earlier about mental illness and communication, right? I always come back to something that Elliot Hulse, who's sort of a digital mentor of mine talks about which is the difference between expression and depression, right? And you become depressed when you're not expressing, right? You start holding all that shit within, sort of, and you sort of isolate yourself, right? And go within and, and it's like, it's all bottled up and you go crazy, right? And so if you can have people around that, that understand or, or at least are seeking to understand, right? That's one of the things I learned most about uh, listening, and one of the things that we actually taught kids in schools and wellness programs is seek to understand or listen to understand rather than listen to respond, right? So many times we might catch ourselves just listening, thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to say. Like, just shut up so I can say what I want to say, right? And then you miss all of the, the detail, in a sense, or some of the detail. And... Um, so these communicative tools, right? They're the foundation. The better we can communicate, the better questions we can ask, I feel like the better our lives will be, fundamentally. And the clearer we'll get, or the closer we'll get to sort of realizing our truest potential or our fullest potential. Right? And so we see that, I mean, this is work that you've been doing, right? Working as a transformational therapist, coach, you know, mm-hmm. person, agent of change, to bring that about. And so, what I guess is, are there similarities, are there common things that you see um, that people very, very often get, get, get hung up on? Um, or that you find tend to um, sort of have universal benefit in terms of introducing certain questions, like questions that people can ask themselves. Like if someone's listening to this and they're feeling stuck or they're feeling depressed or they're feeling like, why does this keep happening? Or why do I keep doing this? Right there is the number one worst thing you could ever do ever is to ask yourself why you are... In, in whatever stuckness, problem, mm. issue that you're in. And I, do, I don't mean that um, that you should not inquire about the, you know about your problems and to, to look into them, but in asking why, why, the question why is, is a wonderful question, mm-hmm. right? You get to understand, um, you, you, get to, you get to experience um, more of a rationalization for things, right? You get, a, a, you get to justify your position. Um, and you get to, um, um, uh, justify, rationalize, uh, there's, there's a, there's a third one here, uh, that I'm, that I'm not quite remembering. 
Um, the, the, the point is that when you ask why, you are pouring liquid concrete over your own, over your, your, your whatever thing it is that you're asking why about. Right? You're essentially defending mm. your position. Mm-hmm. So if you ask yourself, why am I depressed? You're going to come up with all the reasons why you should be. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. You'll find what you're looking for. You'll find exactly what you're looking for. And going along that, going down that rabbit hole is one of an emotional spiral into darkness and, 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 and despair and frustration and anger and you, pick, your, pick your poison, really. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you ask why towards a state of resourcefulness, now you've got money, now you've got juice. Mm. Pick your metaphor. Is it, hold on. Uh, why or how? Why? I want to see how. Why? why? We'll, okay. we'll get to how in a moment. Okay. Okay? So, as a, as, a, as, a, as a change worker of any sort, your job is to move somebody from problem to resource. A state of I can't to a state of I can. Mm-hmm. A state of I feel bad to I feel good. To, from I don't want to I do want. So... And in, 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 in so, how is a very important question there, but if you are asking only questions about your problem, the only thing that you're going to get is your problem. Mm. If you are stuck in your problem, the same thinking required of you to create it will be the exact, will be the exact same thinking that you will be using to try and get out of your problem. Right? I, again, I believe it was Einstein. Mm. I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the thinking that created the problem is the same. You know, you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. Yeah. You just can't, right? It's like you can't be, you can't, you can't just be happy when you're angry or sad, right? The worst, you know, I, I've 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 spoken to a lot of people with a lot of mental illnesses, and one of the worst things that uh, that they, that the, one of the most uh, frustrating things for people with mental illness is when their friends and family say, "Oh, just cheer up, or just get over it." You know, it's a be- it's it's a good day. Just you know, just you know, smile. You can't do that when you're feeling bad, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing is only going to make it feel worse. Mm-hmm. But a good question to ask is a, a, an outcome-oriented question. Essentially, where am I going? What do I want? If you keep talking about or asking about what you don't want, all you're going to get is what more of what you don't want. Mm-hmm. So once you know what you don't want, you have to become very acutely aware of what it is that you do want and work toward whatever it is that you do want. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll, you, you'll, you'll, again, you'll just be stuck in the problem. Thank you for listening, my friends. You know what to do. If you appreciated this episode, head on over to iTunes. Give this podcast a subscription, a rating, and a review. It helps so much with getting more people to find the show, to tune into the show, and to potentially change their lives because of the information and the guests that we have on. So that would be so much appreciated. Until next time, love your life and keep redefining reality.
I have found fear comes in all shapes and sizes. Well, a master of the fortress, a master of disguises. Said we used to run free, no fear of where we go. And we used to love free, not scared of being alone. But I said these times can be returned to if we use the lie that was shown on from above. In our quest for wrong and right, we got to be. Now be like that tree, firm in your roots, but expanding to see, see. Yeah, use both your eyes, and if they are covered, then look inside. Said if they are covered, then look inside. Yeah. I say go do you. Now travel far, share your stories, and earn your scars. It's you. Say you are the one you will answer to when this life is done. Don't waste a minute, jump in the river. Wash yourself clean so you can deliver you. The story of you, the story of you. The story of you, the story of you. Of my days, trying to hide now who I was and how I was made. But I found strength in the struggle, pride in the trouble. My story's still going, still sifting through rubble. These are the days we were meant to fear. But when it is open, it's when it is also clear. Yeah, clear like the sky, shapeless and open. Right after she cries, 'cause the storm is washed it away. Let the water rain down. I am here to stay. Let the water rain down. I am here. To When I say I'm on a mission for divine recognition, for that Godhead, listen to the light that is shown right in front of you. You already know what it is you gotta do. Well, I say go with the flow and don't exert too much force. When you are in doubt, you gotta stay the course. Keep your eyes forward to the light that will shine on all of us together, 'cause we're headed towards Zion. Now all of us together, 'cause we're headed towards Zion. Yeah. 
Well, I say go to you. Not travel far, share your story. 